Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you get your Bibles ready this morning, and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We welcome those listening by way of the internet this morning. And if you've downloaded the podcast, we welcome you too as well. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. We're going to pick up in. It says this. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, sorry, that's Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And skip to verse 5. It says this, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let, sh- let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Thank God. <laughs> We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is... At work in us, but life is at work in you. Skip to Second Corinthians four verse sixteen. It says this: Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Amen. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today, one of the key things that Paul says here in this scripture, and we know it quite well, and he describes the Christian believer as someone who is, has treasure inside a clear pot. 
Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't know. Well, I don't really understand what that means. But some of you say, well, I, I get that. But he describes treasure inside a clear pot. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes in our lives, we understand that God, we feel God, we feel great, we feel that treasure inside, we, you know, we leave the church, we feel wonderful, the Holy Spirit's doing good things in our lives, but sometimes we actually feel much worse than that. In fact, we don't feel like we've got much treasure at all. How about you? Sometimes we don't feel like there's anything inside of us. But Paul describes that there's treasure, but yet sometimes we don't feel like there's treasure. In fact, sometimes all we do feel like is a clear pot. And some of us feel like our clear pots are breaking sometimes. Some of us feel like our clear pots are weakening sometimes. Some of us feel like they're shattered sometimes. And we don't see any treasure whatsoever. I don't know if you feel like that today, but sometimes I do. I feel, I understand this, but sometimes I feel different. You see, we read the Bible sometimes and we we say, this sounds amazing, but I'm not sure I really feel it. You know, the worst thing we can have sometimes is that we're saved, we're born again, but actually we don't really enjoy our salvation because we don't feel like we we meet up to what the Bible says. But do you know what? Paul is describing something here for you and for me this morning that suggests to us that we don't necessarily have to see the treasure to know that this treasure is there. You see, he says, doesn't he? He says that we fix our eyes on what is unseen. I've met lots of people who they love the, the feeling of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, we, we felt the Holy Spirit yesterday. We, we sensed the Holy Spirit moving with us. When I was operating and ministering, boy, oh, I felt the Holy Spirit. I didn't really feel the Holy Spirit when I was on the tube station coming home absolutely shattered. Boy, if you'd have asked me then, I didn't feel like the Holy Spirit is moving through me with power and authority. No, I was just looking for the Piccadilly line. Shattered, could belly up my eyes. If you'd have asked me, I felt like a cracked pot. Cracked pot. But I didn't feel great. But yet, an hour before, I was ministering with power and authority in the Holy Spirit. And some of us today, we're saying, do you know, I read the Bible and I, I, I try and I read the Bible every day and I open the scriptures and I look and I, it tells me I'm this, it tells me I'm that, but I just don't feel like that. Well, I want to tell you today that you don't have to feel anything. Don't listen to anyone who says you've got to feel something to know that Jesus is inside of you. If you're a born-again Christian, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Do you know that? You don't have to feel anything. Just know it. It's true. It is the truth that sets you free. And the enemy sometimes in our mind wants us to focus on saying, do you really find and feel the treasure? Do you see any treasure in yourself? Look at you. You're sinful. You do these things wrong. If anyone knew what you did, if they knew this about you. And if you focus and what happens is your eyes look at a different treasure. They look at something different. You know, some of us today, we feel like we've been spiritually hijacked. Someone's come and robbed the treasure. The enemy's come in and robbed the treasure. You know, when I was a student, I was living just off Mill Road, the other end of, of, of down here. 
Emma used to come around to the house and we, we used to live in this house. And at that time, I used to live, Nathan Morris from Shit the Nations used to live in the same house. Boy, oh boy, if you, I could tell you some stories about him. Best not, he'll probably be on YouTube later on. He's a good man. But we, used to, we were in the house one day. Has anyone ever heard the term daylight robbery? We were sat in the house. There was about five people in the house doing our thing. We got burgled. Someone came in and robbed us while we were in the house. I mean, I've known people get robbed when, you know, you're out of the house as one thing. Or maybe you're asleep and it's dark and someone creeps in downstairs. But I experienced daylight robbery. We went downstairs and we saw one thing had gone missing. We knew that someone had been in. The door was left open. And straight away we phoned the police. The police come in. The police are saying, how did, how, were you in the house? Yeah, there was five of us. Are you really telling me the truth? And we had to give a statement that five people were in the house, but we got robbed. The worst thing was is this. And I don't know if you've ever had this when you've ever been burgled. But we, we're trying to walk around the house to discover what's gone. Because it's then when you start to think, I'm not really sure what possessions I've got. Is this gone? So then, and actually the majority of the time people who've been burgled don't find everything's gone until months later. They're looking around, then they realize, oh, my, my bracelet's gone that I normally wear at Christmas. Ah, it must have been the burglary. And do you know, some of you today carrying on, carry on in our lives. We understand this things happened. We've, we feel like we've been spiritually hijacked or robbed of things and the treasure's gone. And some of us, sometimes we just don't really know what's left anymore. We don't know what's gone and we don't know what's going on. Let me tell you today that God wants to remind you, you've not been robbed. If you're a child of God, the treasure that's in you cannot be stolen. It's not something that can be stolen. But it's been given to you. It's planted in you. The seal of the Holy Spirit is upon you. Now, the enemy, what he wants to do is tell you things have gone. To tell you that things are not inside. That there's no treasure. And I, re- I want to remind you today that we need to get our focus back on the treasure that's within us. Whether or not the clay pots look a little bit cracked. We must remember That this treasure is inside clay pots. It's interesting that Paul doesn't say, does he? He doesn't say this treasure inside this treasure, this treasure pot or this amazing pot. He says clay pots. Because it gets us to realize that actually for the rest of your life as a Christian, what you face is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. There is two things. And it's important that we recognize that. The title of this morning's message is this, Work in Progress. Work in Progress. You see, the thing is this. The truth is that as Christians, not one Christian you will find, whether they operate in miraculous power, whatever they do, every single Christian, Reinhard Bonnke, Daniel Kalender, all of these great evangelists that you see on YouTube and TV, listen to me, every one of them is a work in progress. You see, what happens is this, the enemy gets us to believe or think that these people have got it all together. In fact, what we look at is, they look like adorning jewel pots. They look amazing. There's nothing wrong with them, but look at me, I'm broken. And we focus on them, and we focus on ministry, and we believe that actually they've got the treasure. 
But the truth is this, that they're just a work in progress. There's not one Christian person till Jesus returns who is not going to be a work in progress. We are all a work in progress. What does that mean then? If that's the case, listen to me. The enemy doesn't want you to think like this. He wants you to think that you are perfect. And if you make anything go wrong, that's it. He's failed. It's over. Kaput. But you're a work in progress. Number one today is this. If we're a work in progress, then we're under construction. We're under construction. There is something going on in our lives where God is beginning to work. And it's a journey. It's a work in progress. But you are under construction. I don't know about you, but I'm getting really frustrated with Tennyson Road being shut. Joe is more than me. I mean, she's out there every day. I mean, even the people who work on the diggers are are tired of Joe. She goes and sees them every day. They think, oh, Joe's coming. (laughs) Quick. As soon as Joe walks out, the whole, the whole road, it's like, a, it's like a quiet road. There's no one around. No wonder the workers can't get on. It's because Joe keeps going to see them. When are you finished? Bless her. But she's the one who keeps sending the emails to tell you what's happening. Praise God. But listen to me. What, what, this, this road closed in March. They kept telling us different things. We got signs. The whole thing closed. It's been a whole upheaval for us. In fact, even on our Voice in the City conference we did earlier this year in, in 6th of August, I was wondering whether we were going to actually have a car park, the access. It's been disruption. The fences went up. The blockage went up. We don't even, we've got no idea when the thing's coming down. All we know is just get on with the job. But, do you know, there's, when there's work in progress, there's disruption. Fences go up, things happen, the cones come up, the signs are up, and this is what happens. And in our lives, that's what it's like. You've got to understand that it's, being a Christian is not about a perfect life. It's not a perfect Tennyson road. It is a road that is under construction. There are areas in your life that God is going to start digging. He's going to get the digger. He's going to start on the digger and you're saying, I don't want that thing digging away. Come on. I don't want those things digging out of my life. They're mine. And someone, and then God comes along with a pneumatic drill and it's loud and you, I don't like this. I'm going somewhere else where someone tells me it's all perfect. We're being a Christian, it's all good. But listen to me, the truth is this, and I I don't want to tell you a lie. The truth is that all the life of being a Christian means that you're going to be under construction. Things are going to go on. In fact, sometimes God's going to dig a hole in your life. You're going to fill it back in again. He's going to come back and say, listen, why did you fill that in? Let me dig again. Some of us think that once, once God's dug a hole and got rid of something, oh, it's all okay now, leave it to God. No, the problem is that we're in the, in the way again. And we begin to fill these holes again with rubbish. And he's saying, look, you're wasting my time. I've dug this hole out already. My dad used to work for... Um, a building control officer he used to tell me stories as I grew up when I was younger. He'd gone to sites and he says the worst thing worries when the, the builders would have dug holes and, and then he'd have to tell them to fill things back in again because the foundations weren't deep enough or things were wrong and all sorts of things. But people don't like doing this. It's a waste of time. And sometimes in our lives, you know, we go around in circles. We do. We go around in circles. We are under construction. There's fences. There's drills. There's dirt. There's rubble. All sorts of junk and rubbish. 
It's the same for us. When we receive Jesus, do you know what happens? There's a party in heaven. Oh, yeah, you love that scripture. There's a party in heaven. The angels rejoice. Everyone loves that, don't they? Someone gets saved. There's a party in heaven. Yeah. Do you know what happens as well? God says this, right, get the fences, put the cones up. Let's get working. There might be a party, but there's lots of work to do. In fact, let, let, them, let him party and then we'll get, we'll get to the work. Then we'll get the cones out. Let him party first. Ease the blow. But this is what happens and some of us are not ready for it. We don't understand it. But we've got to be mature in our faith. We have to be mature. Because this is what it says, 2 Corinthians three eighteen. Paul says this, we are being transformed. Do you know what transform means? It doesn't mean it's completed. It means we're transformed. It's a process. Transformation is a process. It's not completion. We are being transformed into his, Jesus' image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Another version says in the King James, from glory to glory. In other words, do you, do you get this? If the treasure's put in, but then the work starts happening on the flesh, on the clear part, what's happening is this. He's saying, day by day, we go from glory to glory. The treasure's brightening until the day of his return. The problem is that sometimes the enemy says, I want you to put some dark sunglasses on so you don't see the brightness. So you live in darkness. You can't see what's bright. But the truth is this, that the the, the treasure gets brighter and brighter. It goes from glory to glory to glory to glory. Do you know that what's happening, if you give your, this is if you follow Jesus, by the way, if you keep pursuing him, not just if you sit at home doing nothing, if you pursue Jesus and you give him everything in your life, you lay everything down. Listen to me, if you feel rubbish today, let me tell you, treasure is, is brightening in your life. It's going from glory to glory. I've got a little quote for you here. It says this, if we want to make progress for God, we need to recognize we are a work in progress. If we want to make progress for God, we have to recognize that we are a work in progress. And some of us today have stopped working for God. We've stopped the progress. It's almost like there's no workers around. Nothing's happening anymore in my life. How do you feel like that sometimes? I'm not progressing with this Christianity thing. Nothing's moving anywhere. I feel, I don't feel good enough. I feel sinful. But recognize today that you're a work in progress so that you can be progressing in your work. Paul says we're being transformed. It's this ever, with ever increasing glory. Some of us don't want to pay the cost. We don't want to pay the cost of doing this in our lives. In 10 years ago, in 2006, we moved into our house that we are now. I, never remember, I always remember we walked into the garden and I looked at the bottom and there was a field at the other side of the, of the border of where our garden is. And there was no fence. So literally, we, it looked like we had a, an estate. It went into this huge field. I thought, wow. Realized that actually that someone had just not put a fence up. So I walked down to the end of the garden and realized I've got the first thing I've got to do is put a fence up and some trees and make this thing look like a normal garden. So we went to the garden center, as you do, and we, we looked for some conifers. How many of you, how many of you know that conifers, it's, it seems like a good decision at the time. But later on in life, when these things grow, they, these are things get out of control. 
I mean, I'm cutting them twice a year. But I, I went in to buy these trees, and I looked, and I said to the guy, I said, how much are the trees? How much are the conifers? I need about 15 of them to go across the bottom to create this perimeter. And he took me over to these conifers, and he showed me, he says, you've got a choice. You can buy this one at five pounds, or you can buy this one at 25 pounds. I said, what's the difference? I could see the difference quite clearly. It was a lot bigger. You pay 25 pounds for someone to have grown that for six years. Or you can pay five pounds and have this little sprouting branch that doesn't really look like nothing at all. And I thought, what shall I do? I don't know if I can be prepared to wait. I, 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 I think we, I might just spend the 25, but 25 times 15. 25 seems not too bad. 25 times 15, wow. How much did you say to get the small ones were again? Five, okay. And so we bought the five pound ones. Let me tell you something. These things that we've got now are beasts. They are bigger than the house. I went into work when I, I, I used to work somewhere in Cambridge. I went in and I told my boss, I said, he said, uh, how are you getting on the house? I said, I've just bought these conifers. He said, you'll learn. I said, what do you mean? He says, they, they're the most terrible things. I said, I hate them. I said, I've just bought 15 of them. He said, you'll learn. You wait. Come back to me in 10 years. Listen, every time I look out the window, Emma tells me you need to cut these things. They are growing. They are out of control. I, I believe they're worth a lot of money. You know, if someone came to me, I'd say, well, you can have these for 100 pounds. 10 years of growth. But listen to me. Some of us today, we're not prepared to pay the cost. We're not prepared to pay the cost. And what I learned is this, that sometimes in our lives, when we, when we planted these trees, we saw them grow. Sometimes in our lives, we've got to be prepared for the process and the time it takes and be patient in our lives to see the fruit of what's going to come. The problem is we get frustrated. Transformation requires patience. It requires patience. And one of the things that we need to learn that when we're under construction, when I look out of the, the windows of this church and I see this road, we have to be patient. Do you know why? Because we know what's coming. What happens when we're not patient is this. He says this, Paul says, we lose heart. Consequently, we lose heart. He says this, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. He's talking about everything he's just said. We have this ministry. We have this great thing that God puts himself inside of us. But he says this, we do not lose heart. Rather, he says this, we renounce secret and sh shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. I want to ask you today, have you lost your heart? Have you lost your passion? Because when you can't see the treasure in you anymore, what happens is this, is that you lose your passion. You lose your heart. It's a, it's a simple word that we just read this, but it's, it's quite true. Paul recognizes that if we don't see this treasure in us, if we don't see what God's done, this ministry inside of us, if we start to look at our outside more than the inside, what happens is this, we lose heart. Losing heart is losing passion. And I want to tell you today that you can have your passion back. You're saying there's no chance for me again. Things are just too bad in my life. Listen to me today. The, the message today, if, if there's anything you should take, is you can have your passion back. It's there for you to have. What things can cause us to lose heart in this time of construction? One thing is sin. Sin's in our life. Paul says we should renounce secret 
and shameful ways. In other words, he's saying this, he's saying, look, if you've got stuff going on in your life that has crippled you, it's making you feel like you've lost heart because the sins, listen, renounce them. Do you know what renounce means? It means renounce, get rid of them, repent. Listen, do you know what some people do is this? We put keep out zones. It's like the work's going on, but then what we start to do is we create our own little areas in God's workplace. He puts his fences up that say, I'm going to do some amazing work on this person now for the rest of his life or her life. And there's going to be a construction going on that's going to develop her into the image of Christ or him into the image of Christ. But do you know what happens then? This is what we do. We get discouraged, we lose heart because of sin and and shameful ways that are going on in our lives. And what we do is this, we say, okay, you're working on me, fine. But then we begin to create our own little zones within his zone. And we put up the keep out zones to say you're not allowed in this section. That's what we do. Have you ever seen that tape? You, you see that tape and it, it runs across the police come or he says, keep out zone. Or the workers put the, the tape across the red and white tape. It says, keep out of this zone. And you see that. What do you always want to do? You want to go through, don't you? And have a look. But we do that. We do that in our lives. And we start to wrap these keep out zones around our lives. And do you know what happens? God can't get access anymore. Do you know the the truth is this, that what you need to do today is give God access to all areas of your life. No keep out zones. That's the enemy. The enemy is saying, look, let God do his work, but have this little side construction site where you can do what you want. Do you know what that is? That's a lie from the enemy. To get us to create our own little construction zones where God's not allowed in. And do you know what they are? They're far bigger than you think. These are keep out zones. But today we've got to give God access to all areas of our life. Renounce secret and shameful ways. Because what happens is when you wrap the keep out tape around you and you say, God, you're not coming into this area of my life. Do you know what happens? You get easily entangled. You get entangled and you get wrapped up so that actually the, the keep out zones that you've created end up trapping you and you no longer see the work that God's doing in your life. In Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says this, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What happens is this, you put the keep out zones around you, you wrap enough keep out tape around you, do you know what's going to happen? You can't run anywhere, you can't do anything. And God's saying today, I want you to be free from this. Throw off all this stuff, give me access to all areas and let me keep working. But understand that it's a work in progress. It's not perfection. Number two today is this. We live through God's perfection, not ours. We live through God's perfection. You see, if we understand and we begin to realize that, oh, do you know what? I don't need to be perfect. It's not about me being righteous and perfect and trying to prove myself to God. That's not grace. Grace is when we understand that we fail God, that there's things messed up in our lives, but we recognize that he forgives us still, but yet we still want to please him. If you fail God, listen, it's not the end of the road. It's not the end of the road if you failed, if you failed God. You cannot be perfect. Do you know that? Don't believe the lie of the enemy saying to you, you can be perfect. Listen, his righteousness is our righteousness. 
Now that doesn't mean we go on sinning, but we don't want to sin if we understand that. If we fail, get up again today. Rise up because his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Listen to me. The enemy is today saying to you, it's over. How many times can you keep sinning and doing this thing? And you keep telling God, I'm going to change. Look, listen, this morning, it's true that God's mercy is here. It's at home in your house, wherever you go. Look at the treasure. Look at what's inside of you, that seal, what God has done inside your life. We live not through our perfection, but through God's perfection. I'm so glad about that. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that he is the perfect one, and it's not me. You know, yesterday we, when we were on the streets, the, the couple that we met that um, Aruna mentioned earlier, it was an amazing conversation. I mean, I, I was so enthralled in what was God was doing. It was amazing. I wish I had it on video to show you. You'd love to watch it. What God did. The countenance, the change of what God did as we spoke to these people. And the power of God touched them. But one of the things that happened in that conversation is this. I spoke to them and I said to them, you know, one of the things is this, that you, a lot of the people today don't understand what truth is anymore. I said, we, we, we can't, you look around in the world around you and no one really understands what truth is. In fact, majority of the time, people don't believe anyone anymore. You know why? I said, in my, in my job that I used to work in, I used to use a, a, a software called Photoshop. And I'd spend many of time, the, my boss would come to me and he'd say, we need to get a photograph of someone. And I'd do a photograph, but I'd do lots of what's called photo manipulation. I would manipulate the photographs. I'd remove spots from people's faces. I'd change their faces. If they wanted to look a bit slimmer, I could do that. I'd do all sorts of things. You seen the picture of me online? It looks quite slim, doesn't it? took me a while to do that. And I would spend lots of time trying to do this. I could change the dress color. I could do anything you wanted pretty much because of the software. Not me. The software could achieve this process. And what actually was happening is we'd present these images to present a company. And actually what we were doing is it was fake. It wasn't really true. It wasn't true. It was what the people wanted to see. So we could produce this. We could do whatever we wanted to manipulate. And do you know what? The world has cottoned on to this now. They realize that nothing you look at in a magazine, anything is really true. So why should I believe in anything else? And I said to them yesterday, imagine this. This, this was the first God moment. I said, so I used to do this as a job. And I said, I used to do X, Y, Z. And I use this as an illustration to this couple. They looked at me. They said, do you know what we do? I said, no. I wish I did. That would be a good word of knowledge. But they said, do you know what we do? I said, no. They said, we are special effects developers for in London. We, this is what they said to me. We fool people every day. If that's not a God leading. I said, wow. So you understand then what I mean. You see, have you ever noticed this tip on evangelism? Jesus never talked about anything. He spoke about the things of the day. He spoke to fishermen about fish. We're not going to go around and talk to people about fish today. We're going to talk about Photoshop. We're going to talk about the things that they understand. And yesterday I said to them, I said, you understand then what it means to fool someone. They said, yeah. 
I said, so you find it hard to believe. I said, but listen, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I know the truth. He said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I, I know the way. I know this person who can help you. No, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. In other words, there is no Photoshop on me. There is no manipulation. There is nothing. I am who I say I am. Listen to me today. Some of us, we look at the world around us and this is what happens. We don't look. We look at ourselves and realize that we're not perfect. The media presents something to the young generation. If you're here today, you look at magazines, you look at all sorts of things. It's the whole uh, Facebook, YouTube things you're seeing all of the time are telling you that the world, this is how you need to be. But it's not true. It's a lie. The enemy uses these things to lure the kids in to say, this is what you need to be to be perfect. Look at this. And do you know there's people... Who have took their lives over this because they don't think they're perfect enough. Listen to me. If any young people in here today, listen to me. Your life is worth more than you know. It's precious. It's precious to God. It's so precious to Him. It's so precious. And the enemy has come to rob people of this To see something different, to see I've got to achieve something. We've got this treasure in jars of clay. We've got something special. Look, the enemy knows that. And if you're not a Christian today, if you're a young person here and you don't know Jesus, let me tell you something. You can have this treasure and it is better because you live through God's perfection. You don't live through your own perfection. You live through the perfection of God. He is the I am. He is the perfect one. He is our heavenly father. And he loves you so much. The only perfection we need today is Christ in us. The hope of glory. What did we sing earlier? In Christ alone. Here in the power of Christ I stand. His power in me. Here in, the, in Christ alone my hope is found. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Our bodies are are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We live through God's perfection. The world teaches us that treasure is to feel good. It's to feel good. Have this bit of treasure, have this. And do you know what? We start looking, not looking at God's treasure. We start looking at the treasures that are on offer to us. I've put here that in the world... There is a constant pressure to be perfect. But in God's kingdom, the world's pressures prove us perfect. In the world, there is constant pressure to be perfect. But in God's kingdom, the world's pressures prove us perfect. Do you know why it says, I say that? It's because this, Paul goes on to say this. He says, if you've got treasure in jars of clay, he says something very uh, interesting after that. And it's something we've all got to get in our minds and be ready for. Be ready for. Because he then says this. He says, we are hard pressed on every side. But not crushed. Perplexed. How many of you feel perplexed today in your life? But he says, we're not in despair. Persecuted. But we're not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. 
In other words, you might be hard-pressed today with finances. You may be hard-pressed today with things and marriage problems and broken down relationships. Things going on that all your life is just rocked to the core. Your pot is cracking before your eyes. You look at it and you say, look, it's cracking. I can't take this pressure of this finance, this debt, these problems that I've got in my life. Look at my pot. Listen to what you need to do when cracks start appearing. If there's treasure inside, I'm sure the treasure will glean through. Don't look at the cracks. Look at the treasure. Because if there's treasure that's going from ever increasing glory to glory every day, listen to me. What you need to do is when the cracks appear is focus on the light that comes from the treasure. It's to say, do you know what? I'm not going to look at this crack because I know that underneath this crack is a treasure that God's put in me it sustains me it keeps me he is the rock of my salvation I'm securing him he's an anchor for my soul says the bible he's an anchor he's a solid rock and we need to remember this because the enemy wants you to focus on the cracks the pressures that are pushing against your pots but look he says that we're never destroyed listen to me you got something to remember here today never forget this if your pot is cracking now it will not be destroyed if you serve Jesus the cracks might appear but it will never ever be destroyed what happens the pressures of life Get us to realize that we're perfect. Not perfect in ourselves, but perfect because of him. If you've lost everything in your life, if you feel like you're losing things, God, you always have God. He is the anchor for our soul. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, my power is made perfect in weakness. He said, God said, my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, when we had our, I think it was our second child, I might get this wrong, sir. But I remember coming back from a a 24-week scan of having uh, this 24-week scan. And we came back to to work. In my lunch break, I'd I'd gone out for the 24-week scan at Addenbrooke's. And we came back. We were so happy that we got the second child on the way. And God was doing amazing things, blessing us. We come back to work. And literally five minutes after sitting down at my desk... And I'm, I'm just thinking, God, you know, I'm thankful. I've seen the pictures. I'm showing people the pictures. Five minutes after that, I get a phone call several years ago from Emma. I've only just sat down. She says, I've got something to tell you. They've, they've just, um, I've been made redundant. I've been made redundant. And I hear this on, this on the sound of the phone. I'm thinking, I can't, why is this? I've just seen the scam pictures. Financially, I've worked everything out. How on earth are we going to do this? My pot started to crack. I'm there and I'm, the first thing we try to do, and you know it, you try to work everything out. You're thinking, where's the spreadsheet? I need to just adjust the columns. You know, add into the column. Redundancy. What happens then? Let me look at the end. Oh, I don't want to look that far ahead. And we, we begin to plan and we begin to straight away that the, the, my pot started to crack. I must admit, I'm sat there and I'm saying to Emma, it'll be fine. And I'm thinking, oh my word, what on earth are we going to do? If we haven't got the money, how can we do this? Listen to me, God always sustains. Thank God that everything that happened in the next season was perfect for us. 
God, we need to trust in him. When you look and see, these are the kind of cracks you're going to get. You're going to get phone calls that you're going to think, wait a minute, shall I trust God or shall I try and work out my spreadsheet again? Look, you've got to be wise with your spreadsheets. But at the same time, you've got to trust God. We heard that last week, didn't we? Trust him in everything. Finally today, as we come to a close, number three is we succeed through dedication. We succeed through dedication. What do I mean by that? If you're a work in progress and there's things going on in your life, you need to be dedicated still, even when it's a bit rough. We've got to stay dedicated to the cause. Paul said this, he said in 2 Corinthians four seventeen to 18, he said, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In other words, Paul's saying this, look, these things are going to try and knock you off course, try and get your eyes looking at other things. But listen, stay dedicated. Be dedicated because dedication brings, uh, you'll be successful. How many of you know that when there's a day coming that when Jesus returns, that there will be what's called the consummation of all things. Everything will be brought together. In fact, no longer will you worry about your spreadsheets. You'll worry about how much time you can get to worship Jesus. You won't be worried about the things of this life because there'll be a time of the consummation of all things when everything comes together, when we realize that nothing matters anymore, that it's Jesus, he is the center. He is everything in our lives. It's not about the special person or this or that person. It's about him. And there's a day coming when everything will come to completion. Everything will come. There's a day and there is a hope for you to look forward to. Do you know that? Fix your eyes on the prize. Keep looking. Stay dedicated. Don't let the troubles of life, the momentary troubles, rock you and stop you from working for God. Because this is what happens. The enemy will bring cracks and then what happens is you give up. And you say, I'm not going to join in and do the things with, with church or get involved. Because do you know what? What's the point? I just feel so rubbish. The enemy's won. But he says this. He says, don't look at this, these momentary troubles. Fix your eyes on the prize. Stay dedicated. Focus. And don't go off course. Because you know what happens when you give in and you throw the towel in? And I just sense that today that there are some people here who feel like just throwing the towel in. Don't throw the towel in. Stay dedicated. Fix your eyes on Jesus again. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. You know, the interesting thing is the Tennyson Road work outside right on the front here. I remember just before they shut the road off, I sat in the cafe downstairs with a whole load of counselors, neighbors, in a visionary evening where they presented all the plans, these lovely pictures that were drawn. Everyone was drinking coffee. I'll tell you, it was completely different to what it looks like out there. Everyone's drinking coffee, saying, oh, there'll be a tree there. And I'm thinking, wow, this looks amazing. I ain't seen any tree yet. I'm looking for all the things that they told me was on the plan. But listen, the truth is this. The visionary plan is one thing. The work is another. But listen, what does Paul say? In other words, he's saying, look, there's going to be a work in progress. When you get saved, you give your life to Jesus. What he does is he shows you in faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. He shows you in faith. All of a sudden, it's like you see this visionary plan of what he's got for your life. You don't understand it, but you accept it. You receive it. It's that 
beautiful moment that God just shows you something. But do you know what happens then? That's when the work in progress starts. But listen what you have to do to stay dedicated to the focus on what you've got to do for Jesus is to always remember the visionary plan that he put in your heart. You see, he sets eternity in our hearts. In other words, he sets in our hearts, he puts something in you that says there's a day of completion coming. There is something coming that's so special, but you've got to stay anchored to it and stop looking at your troubles and focus on the visionary plan you saw at the beginning in your heart. And some of you today have got that. There are visions, there are things in your life that you know God has called you to. There are things that God has put in your heart and you've let the the things rock you. But listen, the word of God to you today is this. Look back to the visionary plan because God never changed. He sent you today still the same. Don't walk away from that. Hallelujah. Philippians 1 verse 4 to 6 says this. Paul says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel, he says this, from the first day until now. In other words, it started at the beginning, but you have been partners with the gospel from then until now. It's not stopped. Listen, some of you today need to stop jumping on and off the train of of partnership with the gospel and what God's doing in your life. Jumping off when it suits you and getting back on again. Listen, if you're partners with the gospel from the first day until now, you need to stay stick, stick to it and dedicated. Stop jumping on and off when it suits you. Because listen, you're the one who will suffer. He wants you to realize there is potential in you if you stay dedicated to him. Many of us have lost that whole view of our destination and we don't stay dedicated but listen there is a destination for everyone there's a destiny for everyone in this room today why don't we stand you know God's looking for our dedication not our separation focusing on him fixed eyes on the prize in John chapter 15 verse 4 he says remain in me said Jesus as I also remain in you. No branch, he said, can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We love that, don't we? We love that when it says, when Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. But I don't know if you've read the previous verses to that. It talks about pruning as well. In other words, you've got to get ready to be pruned. You've got to get ready for the pneumatic drill. You've got to get ready for some of the stuff in your life to start being dug out so that God can plant and do things that he wants to do. Some of us need to come back today to our first love. In Revelation 2 verse 4, it says, Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. What does Paul say? From the first day until now, stay Attached to him, remain in him, let him prune you, let him get the diggers out. Some of you right now know the stuff that you have put keep out zones in your life. There are things right now that you, if I, when I've been speaking, you know right now that you've got, you're saying, God, I, I, I've looked like I'm open to everyone else, but actually I've got some keep out tape around me. I've realized today that there's some stuff that I just don't let you in on, God. In fact, not just that, there are, there are things that even my wife doesn't know about me. Even my husband doesn't know about me. There are secrets in my life and I've got keep out zones all over the place. I don't know where I am anymore. 
I've got things wrapped around me that the tape's so wrapped around me, it's entangled that I just don't know how to get out of this anymore. But the truth is this, you can be free. There is hope. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.